Welcome to Murder Avenue. listeners and this is murder avenue thank you so much for tuning in as always i am patrick your host and today we're going to do kind of the same thing that we had happen in the last episode where we actually talk about somebody who was killed and how they were killed where they were killed and possibly who committed the murder and today we're talking about reno nevada native who was 24 years old and her name was sonia mccaskey and Sonia was a single mother who had skied for her home country in Great Britain in the 1960s Olympics and afterwards began working as a part-time ski instructor. And today we're going to talk about her untimely death. So once again, welcome to Murder Avenue. So Sonia McCaskey was an athlete and a very good athlete to be able to make it to the Olympics in the 1960s skiing, okay? But on April 5th, 1963, Sonia failed to show up to her babysitter's house. The babysitter became concerned because, of course, that is unusual behavior, so she contacted the police. Now, when the police arrived at Sonia's duplex, they find an unbelievably gruesome scene. Sonia had been raped, strangled, and mutilated. Her nude body was stuffed into a cedar chest with three kitchen knives still plunged into her torso. She was decapitated and her head was wrapped in underwear and a tablecloth. One of her feet was wrapped in a blanket on the living room floor and her heart was also cut out and left near the front door. So with just those details, you can imagine that this is somebody who might have known Sonia because they really went out of their way. I mean, to kill her is one thing, but to mutilate the body, decapitate her, and all the extra things that took place just makes it seem like this is somebody who had, they had a reason to come after her or they thought they had a reason to, right? They had some knowledge of who she was. But due to the actual precision of the wounds, police initially believed this to be somebody with training as a butcher or a surgeon. But they couldn't have been further from the truth. Sonia McCaskey's murderer was committed by 18-year-old high school student named Thomas Lee Bean. Thomas confessed to the crime, telling police that he had long fantasized about murdering the person he had first had sex with. And this is when he randomly selected Sonia after noticing her car out for a drive the night before the murder. When he tried the back door to her place, he found it unlocked. The scene was so horrific that it shook even the hardest 
veteran detectives. So you have this young kid, you have this kid who's obviously some sort of a virgin that has this weird fascination with taking the life of the person he loses. His, it's just like very Black Widow, but it, it kind of in reverse where it's the male who kills his, his sexual partner. It's so crazy. And then, and not only that, he didn't, it wasn't somebody he had just met and started up a relationship with. This is somebody he randomly picked and killed. You know what I mean? Instead of being like, oh, I took this woman out for a date and she was the first person. You know, it, This is just somebody he randomly selected. So it seems like this was the plan out of the gate. On July 8th, 1963, it took jurors just 70 minutes to find Bean guilty. In 1972, he was sentenced to death, but the United States Supreme Court overturned all pending death sentences nationwide. As a result, Thomas Lee Bean's punishment was changed to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Today, Thomas Lee Bean is the state of Nevada's longest-serving inmate, having been incarcerated for more than 55 years. So this guy is 18 and does this horrible, horrible crime and is virtually caught immediately. Obviously a very ghastly crime, like we said, but the death was caused by strangulation. So that being said, that means that she didn't die by having her head taken off. It, it, she died well before that, so that is, in a sense, a little better. But he got caught because the next day he tried to pawn a camera that he took from her apartment. So, I mean, that right there, A to B, what a way to catch, what a, way to catch a killer. The fact that he, he, he's like, oh, I, got, I found, you know, not only am I going to kill this person I've never seen before in their apartment, but I'm going to take their items while I'm here and try to make a little cash as well. Like, come on. But he confesses after he's arrested, and he confessed without any forceful need. You know, there was no good cop, bad cop. He just said, yeah, you know, this is what happened. He didn't request a lawyer. But when he was arraigned, he pleaded not guilty. And his defense for his defense, I don't know why I said it so weird, but his defense for this was he claimed insanity, as you probably would. I mean, it's such a strange thing to not think that this person is crazy. But they still give him life. So he's been in prison for 55 years. I mean, that's insane. All of this time in prison. I mean, to have that title of longest serving inmate, not a good title, not a good, not a good stat. Now, this murder was sensationalized in the in the September 8th, 1963 issue of the National Enquirer with the front page headlined and a grisly photo stating, I cut out her heart, stating, I cut out her heart and stomped on it. Like, what in the hell? I mean, to put that in the newspaper is so crazy. And it's like, you kind of just want to know has this dude killed anyone else? Honestly, you just want to know 
what what is up with this guy? Where did he come from? Like I said, has he killed anyone else? It's just so strange to have this be the first person that he killed, and it was so extreme. Right? That's just so so bizarre. And then and then to have the weird stipulations of it has to be the first person I had sex with. He just chose that person at random when he turned 18. He didn't have the desire to do this before he was 18 or what the... I don't get it. He didn't feel like he had enough strength. I don't understand. What a very, very bizarre case. Very bizarre. It's so strange to think that they caught this guy so quickly and they knew for sure that they had him Other outside of the fact that he confessed. I'm sure that probably helped, but... The back door happened to be open to her house. So not only did he randomly select her, and that's why I thought in the beginning, because of the way that the body was mutilated, that it was going to be somebody that was close to her, somebody that had just anger against her. And as it turns out, it's just this kid. So what I'm saying is it does seem strange. I'm glad they caught him. But it seems weird that they weren't taken on this crazy journey of investigation because the back door being open, that's another sign of, well, Sonia might have actually known this person. She let him in the house because there's no sign of forced entry. So now you're looking for somebody that knows Sonia. So you have to wonder how they got to Thomas Lee Bean. Right, You have to ask that question. You have to say, well, how did you get from A to B without getting you know, to A.1, A.2, before you get to B, right? There has to be a lot of other points there because I'm like, in my head, hearing how the scene is described, you are assuming that it was somebody close or maybe a, a disgruntled fan I don't know there's so many other things instead of just this random guy who happened to see her driving one night and to be honest the way that this guy looks at the time of his arrest he actually looks like somebody that could have been in, in the movie American Graffiti right just like a because it is that sort of era but he has that face he does kind of look like an angry guy but you have to it's so very strange to think that they were so, I mean, these cops must have, these investigators must have been phenomenal. I, otherwise, I, I just don't have any other explanation as to how they caught him as quickly as they did. I mean, just the grisly scene itself probably didn't leave much evidence. Who knows? And I also think about the fact of, like, being killed by a random stranger because I think the main goal for for anybody who's attacked in a situation where they think they might be killed is to make sure that that person is caught. But then again, you're not really thinking about that. You're, you're trying to survive, certainly trying to survive. But when it's a situation like the Nightcrawler, for example, where it's or the Night Stalker, Nightcrawler, the Night Stalker, or the Golden State Killer, just these people creeping into your house in the middle of the night. And I just feel like we've came to a point, it certainly doesn't seem that easy today. It doesn't seem like anybody can just do this. Anybody, I'm saying breaking into a house, getting into somebody's house. 
while they're there, while they're not there, specifically while they're there. I just don't think people would be willing to risk it as much as they were back then. But then once you see these guys start being put to death, and maybe not even just killed in the gas chamber, such as Thomas Lee Bean, but to know that they are on death row, and that is going to happen at some point, only to find out that, yeah, it's overturned, and now he, he can't be killed, but he is stuck in prison forever. I mean, to live in there for 55 years, I, I can't even imagine. That's just an absurd... Uh, crazy. Crazy. And to know that he's just there, just right there in Nevada, he's he's alive today, and he, he killed this woman who was an Olympic athlete in the most viciously heinous way. Now, obviously, the guy needed help, right? He actually tells the police when he start begins to confess to the officers, he says, you know, how do you ask somebody for help? Or how do they know that you need help? And the defense tried to say that that was his way of asking for counsel. But Tom Bean took a test that did say that he was insane, according to one psychiatrist. But two others said, nah, he's fine. But he did confess. He confessed to the killing. He, he actually went back to the apartment the following day and told the officers what happened. And this was with no force from the officers or influence from the police. He just did it. Because he even said himself that he knew that he was caught when they took his footprints. <laughs> and certainly that would, uh, yeah. But it's also like, if you're not dumb... If you're not a dumb person, Thomas Lee, why would you kill, number one? And then if you did kill, why would you take and try and sell something from the person's house you killed person, right? <laughs> it's stupid. But then they go on to try to say that the best case scenario is putting this dude in a mental institution. They, they kept saying this over and over, and this is obviously while before he gets life and what have you, and then he appeals and all of these things, but... One of the counselors actually goes on to say, and I quote, Ladies and gentlemen, Tom B. needs help. He is himself a sick boy. But we need help more than he does. And the only way we're going to be able to help ourselves is by placing Tom in an institution where he can be studied and examined and re-studied and re-examined until perhaps the day will come that we can anticipate in little kids that they may someday become murderers and prevent it before it happens and not put them away after it happens. So they're saying, yeah, of course he should be studied. They all should be studied. But here we are talking about a guy that's been locked away for as many years as he has been and people are still killing and they haven't really anticipated anything. They tried to do it with the... Um, the McDonald triad with the wetting the bed, the killing animals, and fire. And I'll be honest, I had friends growing up that had all of those characteristics, but they didn't kill anyone. But anyways, this is a shorter episode, of course, guys, because there's not that much information. I was kind of struggling to find things. Uh, like most people that have tried to tell this story or tell this tale 
and that is why there's a lack of evidence. I mean, the real question here is just like, who is this guy? Who was he? Where did and what was his beginning 18 years? How did he get to this point? I mean, to be to have a reason to study him with 55 years under his belt now, we should at least know where he grew up and things like that. Right? I mean, it seems like that's basic information and that's so difficult to find. But the guy did say that he was insane. You know, he claimed to be insane. In fact, when they took him in and the officers, when you first go into booking, they got to do all the fingerprinting and all that shit. And while that was happening, he had a second and managed to run out the door. So Thomas Lee Bean tried to run from the police. And when he does, the cops are firing at him. They decide to shoot at him. And when when they do catch him, because they run after him, of course, I guess... Chances are they probably just shot into the air, I I would imagine. I don't know. But it was different times. Different times. Certainly different times. And Thomas wanted to know why they didn't shoot to kill him. Why didn't they shoot to try to kill him? And he kept asking them, why didn't you guys kill me? Because he definitely wanted to be killed by the police. That was probably his main goal. At least in that moment. So I suppose 55 years without any more information into why this happened, who he was, and how to keep this from happening in the future, yeah, it's a little crazy, and I'm, I'm, it seems as if they lied. So thankfully they didn't send him to an institution other than a prison because they definitely didn't do any studying anyways. But this has been Murder Avenue. I am Patrick. Thank you guys so much for listening. Good night. Hey guys, if you enjoyed that show, please subscribe wherever you listen. Be sure to share it on social media. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a distant family member, especially if you don't like it. If you don't like it and you tell the family member that you don't like, it's a win-win for you. Also, exclusive content and early access to all of these podcast episodes are at patreon.com slash pod culture. The link for that is in the episode description. You can get early access as well as access to things that aren't put out there, as well as simply supporting the podcast that you love. Thank you so much once again for tuning in to Murder Avenue. See you next time. Thank you.